It's that time again. Time for the Go I'll Go podcast. Podcast number 17. I'm your host, Jeff Fry. And today we have a special presentation. We feature the guest, Conrad Dobler, former Wyoming offensive lineman and once regarded as the dirtiest player in the NFL. So sit back and relax as we talk to Mr. Dobler. Mr. Dobler, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Very well. Well, I want to thank you for joining us. I note from the records here that you went to the University of Wyoming or was recruited to the University of Wyoming in 1968 from your home in uh, 29 Palms, California. So that begs the first question. How's a kid from 29 Palms get to Laramie? Well, that is kind of funny. Uh, I was uh, I had gotten quite a few little uh, scholarships to California schools. Um, you know, none of the big ones, not like UCLA or USC, but all the other California schools from San Diego all the way up to Sacramento. And I just said, you know, um, Wyoming had just gotten back from the Sugar Bowl. So I said, if I'm going to go someplace to play, why wouldn't I want to go with, a, with a, a, a team that, you know, has a chance of continuing on with their great tradition? So I picked Wyoming. Now, uh, uh, who actually recruited you? Was it uh, Eaton himself or one of his staff members? Well, after I got there, and uh, it turned out okay, I think they all tried to claim me. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> Jack Taylor wants to say it was him. <laughs> well, that's... I'm sure it was Jack Taylor. Jack Taylor, so... He was, a, he, was a fr- he was the freshman coach at that time. Right. I remember they used to have freshman teams that uh, you actually didn't get to play until your sophomore year, right? No, we actually played four games. Oh, did you? We played Colorado twice, and... Uh, no, no. Colorado State twice. And the Air Force Academy twice. I see. So you at least got a little experience. But you didn't get to play on the varsity back in those days. It was uh, No, not at all. None at all. So it, you really started your... Oh, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. When um, After our season was over and uh, they um, they moved like four of us up, but we never played. They moved us up to run the drills for them. Oh, I see. Okay. So you practiced with the... So even though our season was done, we had to continue to practice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's uh, the way it goes with the red shirts nowadays. They get to watch, but uh, have to wait a year. Uh, well, let me ask you about this. You started then um, uh, playing in 69, uh, uh, so that was your first varsity year. And unfortunately, that was the year of the Black 14, so that must have been quite a traumatic event. Well, you know, the thing is, yeah, it's kind of... Nice, I'm not saying nice because it was an incident like that, but you, you look back at history and things of that nature, and, and being from a small town of 29 Palms, you know, I, I never saw any of that. Uh, I meant, I had black friends, and they spent the night at my house, and they were always around. And I mean, if I would have ever used the N-word, um, my mother would have uh, knocked my teeth out. Uh, so consequently, I was never exposed to any of that, exposed to a little bit of it in Wyoming. Uh, but they, you know, it's, it's not because they didn't have a lot of blacks there. It's just a different type of, of weather for them and and cowboys and things of that nature. And there's so many more opportunities for them. So we, you know, at Wyoming, I only played with three or four or five of them. And they've been great guys. So, but, you know, when I got to the NFL and those guys came in from Detroit and from the inner cities and stuff like that, and I noticed some things of that nature. And but I was I was wondering, why would you feel like that? Aren't we all on the same team? 
you went. Well, I talked to some. I talked to some of them afterwards. In '68, was a you know with the Vietnam War and everything else that was going on. It was kind of a it was kind of a strange year to begin with. And and they had told me, hey, you know the the black student alliance and stuff got behind him. He said one of the guys said I had to do it. I was almost threatened with with death if I didn't. So mm. uh, you know it's it was one of those things. And you know to this day, I'm sure that you know they think about it and people bring it up to them and. Things of that nature, but we look at it as one of those things that happened in those turbulent 60s. From that point on, uh, Eaton lasted until, I think, 70. He went one more year. So how was the um, team at that point? I mean, it was not performing well, as we well were, as it did. Well, we were pretty decimated, and, you know, to be honest with you, with them not being able to really recruit any, you know, great AAA black football players, it certainly hurt our team. And there were a lot of a lot of players that were on those teams and stuff that probably wouldn't have made a Division One team, or they might have made it, but they might have never got an opportunity to start. So, you know, our coaches um, they had their work cut out for them. In fact, in my senior year, they moved me to defense, and uh, I played defensive tackle my senior year, which uh, that's kind of tough going in as a senior and you've never played defense before in your life, and uh, you're playing it. And, I, you know, I, I can't believe that I actually made honorable mention or something on defense. I, I, I always supposed it was because they had no one else. Yeah, you were the second team all whack in 1971, according to what I've seen. But yeah, and I, you know, I could, I couldn't even believe that. Saying, really, <laughs> I, I didn't think I was very good on defense. Well, you know, you went, you went ahead and got recruited on the offense, so they must have remembered that you played that position. Yeah, and and, and that was a, that was a pretty astonishing too when they. Had, Called me up and said, "I, you know, I didn't even know the draft was going on. Um, you know, I had no, no intention. I hadn't even thought about that maybe I can play in the NFL. I didn't even really watch NFL games. And when they called me up to tell me uh, I was uh, drafted by the Cardinals, I was wondering, well, why would a baseball team draft me? <laughs> <laughs> Until they informed me that the football team made named by the Cardinals too, and, and I had to dance around that so I didn't look like a fool and tell them that." Oh, I was just joking. I knew there was a football team. <laughs> you know? Well, how do I feel about being drafted? I think any kid that gets drafted feels pretty damn good about it. Well, that's a lot different than from today. Now we have a big draft show, or they they televise the draft, and they make you know guys wear their hats and come on stage. Uh, you just uh, got a phone call, I guess. Well, in fact, I didn't get a phone call till three days later. Oh, really? <laughs> I never really sat by the phone. And, and waited for a call. I, I didn't know really what to expect. I didn't have an attorney or anything else. I flew down there the first time when they sent me tickets to meet me and stuff. Of course, you tried to talk contract and stuff. When I I didn't even have an attorney, you know. And and then I all of a sudden realized that that particular time they probably kind of they slotted players. If you were drafted in the fifth round, you were going to make this much. The guy that's drafted in the fourth round is going to make this much. The guy that's drafted in the fifth round is going to make this. The second round is going to make this much. And the guy that's drafted in the first round he's going to make this much. And when you get drafted in those rounds, you were not going to make $100,000 a year. That goes up to, you know, probably $80,000 went up to the first round draft choice. <clears throat> so you were down there at 25, 26. You know, minimum was 12, 5. Wow. That's, uh, that's unbelievable these days. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're making the, the. I think the, the guy in the last draft choice gets like a, four, five, six hundred thousand. I don't know. It's a, quite a bit of money. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I said, the minimum was four hundred five. So <clears throat> I remember I got a got a signing bonus of five thousand dollars. <laughs> 
what I didn't realize at that time, being a young kid, is that, you know, you don't get $5,000. The government took their part. Hell, before I even went to my first training camp, I was in debt. I spent 5000 oh, I was going to get the check for five. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you went there um, in 1972. I guess that's the draft you were in. So you went that fall or that summer, you went to um, St. Louis. Training camp. To training camp. So... Uh, as I understand it, you didn't make the first go around. Uh, they cut you that first uh, first part of the year. Oh yeah, that's absolutely correct. I went all the way through training camp, and um, and the day before the first game, I mean the day before the first game, they cut me. Hmm. They didn't, you know, and I didn't really know what to do. I was still there. I you know had my apartment in there, so um, so I hung around for you know a couple of days, just slowly packing up and stuff. Then I have a lot of got like 102 first cousins in Chicago. But I kind of, they told me to come up there and hang out with them. So I went up there for about a week. And how I didn't even, I didn't even get back to Wyoming. I got a call and, uh, you know, they played, they played seven days later and they had a player, an offensive lineman get hurt. They called me and said, well, come on back. Hmm. I drove on back. (laughs) I was gone like for eight days. Drove on back and started the next game. I mean, that's that. Well, that's uh, kind of interesting. Yeah, I was going to say it. It didn't look like your career was going to go anywhere, and then you got back. But from what I've uh, seen from uh, reading about you, uh, that's when you made the decision that um, playing in the NFL is a little bit different than in the college. Oh uh, yeah, and, and you know, in the NFL, it is, it is a job and it is your livelihood. College, you know, you're going to get your scholarship. You're going to have the training table. You're going to eat and stuff like that. But when you get into the NFL, man, that's how you make your living. And that's your job. And I, I think no matter what job you're in, whether you're, you know, an accountant or whether you're, a, you know, a school teacher or whatever you are, man, it's important to, to, you know, get yourself ready to keep that job and defend off people that try to take it from you. So hence uh, your uh, aggressive nature and you earn that uh, moniker of the so-called dirtiest player uh, or mean player. <laughs> They had to come up with something, I believe. I mean, um, mean Joe Green was already used, so they couldn't use the meanest player. <laughs> mean Joe Green had, had that. You know, and the thing is, I wasn't any different than the other people. The, the only problem I had is when I went to training camp, they had a lot of veterans there. And of course, they had Deardorff and Tom Banks there, and they liked to rib people. And I never was really ribbed before, so I just kind of kept my mouth shut and just went out there and... Uh, yeah, I was I was pretty aggressive as a as a freshman, but I was going to say if I if I get cut, if I get cut, it's going to be because I'm not good enough, but it's not going to be because I let up on someone, and that's what it was all about with me. Some of those guys they actually took it personal. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, uh, you affected uh, Merlin Olson so much that uh, he put your gravestone in one of his TV shows. I understand. In fact, he, he even walked off the field. Oh, really? Fourth quarter, uh, which uh, and then made some you know ugly comments about me. But you know, like I said, he had 14 years or 15 years in, and God bless him, he's, he's passed away now. But uh, so so what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm out here to move you off the ball. I'm out here to beat you on every single play. And you know, the problem we had is we had played them in the playoffs the year before. Okay, right, and. And he had said in the newspaper after the game that if I ever get a chance to play against Bill again, I'm going to kick him, you know, right between the legs because we're doing radio, right between the legs. And I'm reading that, and they, they put it in the paper the day before the game. I'm reading that, and I just said, 
Well, you know, if Merlin wants to do that, he's more than welcome to. I'll be going against him. We ran about 75 plays. I'll be going against him 75 times. So if he wants to do that, you know, he's more than welcome to, to try because I said a lot of players have tried. <laughs> and I went out there saying, well, I guess he heats up the line in the sand that we're going to go to war. And I just went out there with a vengeance, not just to beat him, but to embarrass him. Mm. Of course, now, I'm 10 years younger than him, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, well, that, that makes I, a little I, difference. I knew, that, I knew that if I kept pounding on him, I'd own him by the fourth quarter. Because when you get old, you're old. <laughs> well, you had a pretty good career. You went to 77, I guess, with the Cardinals. Then you went to New Orleans and then to Buffalo for a couple of years each, right? Do I got that right? Yes, we, uh, you know, I, I, we didn't have a, a lot of success, but we certainly built those teams when I was there towards success. I mean, when I went to the uh, the Saints, they never won more than uh, two games, and I think we won five and nine and seven and eight or something like that. I'm sure you have the statistics there. We did pretty good. And then when I left and went to Buffalo, they ended up only winning one or two games. They were called the Aints after I left <laughs> because they hadn't won a game yet. So I went to Buffalo, and Buffalo had Chuck Knox up there, and they were a pretty good team. And both years I was up there, we ended up going to the um, going to the playoffs, uh, setting setting the table for the other guys that came in and won all those went to all those Super Bowls. Were you there when OJ was at uh, Buffalo? No, no, OJ, OJ was gone at that particular time. Oh, he'd already gone to San Francisco? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, you were there, when you were in St. Louis, uh, you were there with uh, the elder Manning then, right? Was he still the quarterback? No, I was with, uh, when I was with the Saints, I was with uh, uh, Archie Manning, yes, Archie. Archie Manning, yeah. Superhuman being, superhuman being, what a, what a wonderful man to know. Well, he's, he's certainly um, had a couple of... Uh, Sons that did all right too. So, <laughs> well, that's true, and his sons are pretty good boys. Yeah, you know. So and they and they had the, the, all the wherewithal you could possibly think of being so drafted and making so much money that they could have acted any way they they wanted to, and they've conducted themselves excellent, which is a which is a task in itself when stuff like that is put upon you at a young age. I'm sure. Well, here we are. Um, you've been out of the NFL for a while, and and. How are you doing these days? Oh, I'm I'm doing okay. I mean, I, I'm a little stoked up today. I I had a, uh, some people that I know made the business with them, uh, and Phil Villapiano, who was my roommate um, with the Buffalo Bills, he had a client, and we went down and played golf um, at West Palm Beach. It was a gridiron greats tournament that, uh, and we always take them to it that Mike Dicker had put together. So I was just down there with them and. Um, I tell you what, I can hardly walk today, and, and I'm sitting there going. And I used to think people that had a bad back or something were faking it. And I said, I really have sympathy for them. So I'm not doing real well today, but I have to get better because i got to leave Friday to go up to Reno because Phil and I, we do the Super Bowl show in Reno, Nevada, at the Civil Legacy Hotel and Casino, which is owned by the Carano family. And Glenn Carano was, believe it or not, a the backup quarterback behind Roger Staubach when I played. Oh, okay. Uh, so uh, it's always fun to get together with them. We get Tony Hill up there, and it's nice to see the older guys. And you know, and we all try to guard against saying, "Well, you know, these these players don't hit as hard as we do." And I always look at them and I say, "I'm not going to say that because right now they hit me, they break every bone in my body." 
<laughs> well, you know, the, somebody said on the um, one of the websites I was looking at that they'd like to have seen you play uh, against Nadama Kinsu uh, back in your heyday. Nadama uh, Kinsu, yeah, it, it would have been. You want to know what? I welcome stuff like that. I, I personally didn't like going against rookies and stuff because, you know, these guys that have had success, they got certain things that they do that make them successful, and, and I'm not going to change them up. And, you know, most of them are pretty good athletes. And so if you prepare for that, and I call it the six P's, proper preparation prevents this poor performance. You know, if you prepare for it, you're, you're, you kind of even the game out then against a player like that. What happens so often is when you see these throw ball players and stuff like that get beat by an unknown de- defensive tackle or defensive end, it's because sometimes the defensive end doesn't know that he wasn't supposed to go inside and ends up looking as a hero. Oh. You know, and it's tough to guard against them because you don't know what they're going to do. They could do anything. I see. So you yeah, don't so, you don't uh, have a record on them. <laughs> you don't have a record on them. So we and especially people that you play the pro bowls, which you know how they operate, how they move, and, and where they move, and, and you get pretty proficient at it. And you know, only a fool wouldn't study that going into a game like that. I mean, I'll make you a bet going into the Super Bowl. These teams know what finger these guys use to pick their nose. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty scientific. That's for sure. I know that they've. Uh, uh, keep a lot of records, but uh, from your day to the, this day, uh, how sophisticated was uh, the kind of football you played back in uh, the 70s as opposed to today? Well, <laughs> what I find what I find strange about that's this question a lot of people ask. And, you know, still there's only three things you can do with the ball. You can kick the ball, you can pass the ball, or you can run with the ball. And there's variations of all those. But it's the only three things you can do with the game. So you can call it the flex defense. You can call it the monster defense. You can call it the Sully or Sue or Michael. Who, who cares? I mean, they're going to basically play. There's only so many things you can do with 11 people. You can only move them around their, their checkerboard so many different ways before every way that's been used has been used before or in deviation of it. So, you know, there's always going to be four guys rushing or three guys rushing the pass. There's always going to be that that safety out there. There's always going to be a quarterback. Uh, you can only run outside or inside. And if you're not going to run outside or inside, you're probably going to throw a pass. So it's still football, so, then. So the sophistication of it is um, they certainly, you know, they can put in more information because they all use iPads. They have different terminology that they can put in and use. Whereas on the reverse side, when the defense is getting ready for a game, they're trying to learn their uh, the determination that the quarterback uses. So when they get into a three wide out, they know exactly what to do. So, uh, yes, it's it's basically all the same. Just, just more deviations of the same thing that's going on now. Well, now, uh, you've um, I was talking to you the other day uh, when I asked you for the interview, and you'd mentioned that um, you had been out to uh, Reno uh, for Wyoming's game, uh, do you do you follow the Cowboys much anymore? Well, yeah, I I, I try to follow them as much as I can. I, I do have a good friend, Steve Brown, who's a, who's a dentist in Fort Collins, and he played at Wyoming when I played. And he likes to take his plane, and we try to catch one way game. Uh, the nice thing about it is uh, I was out there working uh, at the time, so it worked out real well for me. I was out there doing flu shots at the Silver Legacy of my company. So I was out there, and I was able to go to the game. And, of course, the casino, they have a suite. So that's even better to watch the game like that. Mm-hmm. And they had a lemon to take me over. I mean, why wouldn't you go to the game? That's but right. To, to, to top it all off, it was Wyoming that was playing. So that it made it an exciting afternoon for me. How about uh, the team itself? Do you notice any uh, 
anything about them? They're, they're playing pretty well nowadays, that's for sure. Well, you know, the thing that I, I noticed about it, they look pretty proficient. They don't make a lot of mistakes. Players are not really out of position all that often. And uh, he's putting together a very, very good program. That, and, you know, I, I see nothing good things. When you can get everyone on the same page, and, and that's what I look like, look at. Everyone seems to be on the same page, and there's no one out there trying to be the hero. You know, sometimes when these guys go out there to try to be the hero and be the star of the game and stuff, they leave some other guys on islands, and that makes them look bad. Well, that's good. Well, um, I want to thank you uh, for joining us and uh, uh, giving us this time. I know you're awful busy there, so uh, I wanted to thank you for uh, uh, giving us the time and uh, hope that you get a chance to follow the Cowboys some more uh, coming into this next year. I'm, I'm certainly going to give it an, an opportunity because I'm I'm getting to the age where, you know, I'm, work doesn't excite me as much as it used to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. I don't mind working. I meet some really wonderful, wonderful people. Um, but uh, I certainly do like to follow uh, football and some of the some of the guys I know. Most of the guys I played with now are either coaching or retired. And uh, anytime I have a friend that I know that I played ball with, either on the professional level, the college level, that's coaching, I try to catch their games. Well, good, good. Well, thank you, sir. And um, oh, you. And You're I'm, welcome. And uh, let's, you and all the Wyoming fans go Cowboys. There you go. All right. And uh, maybe we can get back together again, talk with you uh, sometime soon. Thank you. Well, there you have it. That's Podcast 17 Special Edition. I'm your host, Jeff Fry. We want to thank Mr. Conrad Dobler for talking with us. Stay tuned uh, uh, when we'll have another Go I.O. Go podcast. Go I.O. Go Podcast is a production of Jackalope Ridge Media, all rights reserved.